0: Podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. In a couple of minutes, we'll be talking to Dr. John Alexander. But first, I wanted to ask Chris a couple of things mentioned briefly on the After the Paracast episode last week. And if you want to hear that, by the way, you have to subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com for more information. But what I wanted to just mention briefly here, Chris, is you went off on the one, the only Leslie Kane in that segment. And the question I have, you know, with everything else, does it even matter? I mean, isn't she getting decent publicity for UFOs?
2: Well, uh, in terms of Leslie Kane, uh, you know, what what can you say? She, uh, you know, she was uh, Bud Hopkins' girlfriend. Um, She has some knowledge about about the uh subject um I, I don't find her to be an authority by any stretch of the imagination and because she is being um singled out as a you know a focused person uh, within this particular uh, latest um saga this story the media is 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 acting like she's an expert and that she she is one of the people that really knows a great deal about about the subject and about the field and the history and and the players and and all the things that go into that and, and I, I beg the differ. I don't I don't feel she has that expertise. She's a good writer, uh, she's a you know a, a good journalist, but uh, I don't think she could hold her own in a conversation with a Jerry Clark, with a Stanton Friedman, uh, with myself, uh, with other individuals in the field who have spent years reading all the books, getting up to speed on all the various theories, all the cases. I, I just don't think she's done her due diligence and I don't think she should be treated. Uh, with the uh, same amount of gravitas and respect that a, a Stan Friedman or a, a Kevin Randall or a Jerry Clark should be, uh, should be awarded. That's my own personal feeling. John,
1: have you ever met Leslie Kane? Oh,
2: yes. What's your perception about her?
3: Well, I'm not sure quite where this what's generating this topic. Obviously, a good researcher. Uh, I did do a blurb for her recent book on uh, surviving death. Uh, I wasn't impressed there with um, first-hand experiences. Uh, this had nothing to do with UFOs, uh, obviously. And um, I'm, I'm not sure what has generated this comment or what...
2: Well, I uh, had mentioned last week that...
3: ...conversation
2: that... Uh, I, I had mentioned, John, last week that I just didn't feel that... Uh, you know, I felt that there were a, a much better spokespeople uh, to represent the field... Than Leslie Kane. Um, That's just my own personal opinion. I think Stan, Jerry Clark, uh, Kevin Randall. uh, I mean, there's a whole slew of individuals. Jacques Ballet.
3: Field. Uh, I'm not sure what's driving
2: that. uh. Well, there's nothing driving it. It's just you know um, I was asked about her and about her work, and I like I said, I think she's a good journalist. But when it comes to, uh, Uh, I think
3: you're missing a key piece to this puzzle. Then
2: okay, what am I missing? That
3: is how that all came about. It's uh, this goes back to Chris Mellon, who was on. She had a uh, a board looking into these areas, and he was one of the advisors. that happens to be one of the key people who knows not only her, but the um, uh, various news uh, outlets as well. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who. Brought her in and brought the New York Times and um, put mm-hmm. all of these pieces together. So she didn't just jump up and.
2: Uh, well, no, and I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't say something. that she did. I, I'm, I'm glad that that's clarified, though. That he was he's he was on the board of what UFO data.
3: Uh, I forget the name of the organization. She had one, but he had a personal relationship with her. Uh-huh. Uh, and I mean that's certainly in the professional sense, not. Yeah. Right,
2: yes, uh, I understand.
3: But. Um, Uh, was the one who, again, he knew uh, from his positions in the uh, Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, uh, knew the various media outlets as well. Mm -hmm. And I know that he uh, he was involved with a couple other friends of mine in bringing her uh, the videos uh, and getting very early access there. So that's how that all evolved.
2: Yeah. Okay, well that's good you know I didn't know uh, exactly how that shook out uh, initially but uh, it's good to know um, again, I really think that um, it's a it's a positive step forward I think for the field uh, to get the kind of um, the kind of um, a, a measured measured response from the media but but at least one that's not uh, whistling uh, Star Trek uh, or the Twilight Zone theme songs or talking about tinfoil hats and little green men that's uh, been the bane of the UFO field's existence uh, in the media for uh, many, many decades. Uh, So just looking at that, I think it's a good step forward. But, you know, I really have a sense that that this whole thing uh, is not as it appears, that there are some problems with um, the actual footage, uh, with the story that's attached to it. I think that there's... As I put it, I think in a post, it's a little downwind to the Danish fish market, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, I really, um, I really feel that um, again, like I said, that this is a positive step forward, and I think it may have been an exercise to see how the media was going to respond to uh, to some absolutely good quality.
3: Absolutely not. <laughs> that is absolutely not the way it's uh, derived. This was a small internal organization. The guy running it got finally exasperated, uh, you know, stepped out. It's pretty much the way you see it. The the biggest problem I think they have is, you know, that you have um, Tom DeLong stating stating certain things like in the Rogaine uh, uh, interview and some other pretty straightforward people trying to, you know, do serious research. But if you think this is highly coordinated inside the Pentagon...
2: Oh, no, no, no. No, I, I don't think what
3: that... What I understand is Mattis didn't even know about it until, like, hours before the New York Times article came out.
2: Yeah, No, I, I, I wouldn't think the Pentagon would have anything to do with this. I, it's, it's way below their radar. I was just saying that the, the way the thing has been... Um, it has unfolded. Um, it's, it's looked like a way to see how, how the uh the media is going to respond to the subject.
3: Well, I'm not sure who they are now. I mean, we have people who are engaged with the media developing the story. Uh, from what I understand, um, uh, New York Times um, did not jump up and down and say, Oh, this is a really good thing, that they did considerable due diligence. Uh, before they even agreed to print the story. Now, what we know, uh, probably been on television programs, but if you go into any TV station and the newscast, and all that, there's a line of uh, programs up there, and everybody's watching everybody else. And as soon as one tips, uh, you know, the the Me Too's uh, get on there very, very quickly. Rush to be second is uh, tremendous.
1: So, therefore, if they see something in the New York Times, the talking heads are jumping for joy. The producers are trying to find out more information about it. The,
3: the Times and Politico both had the story. Uh, there was concern uh, in that as to who was going to go first. And the agreement was that they would uh, publish simultaneously. I understand there's a three minute differential. Uh, between the times that uh, or between the time that New York Times uh, pushed the button and the uh, political followed yeah but they were both involved you know they had to be really convinced to even touch the story this is not something that uh, the senior leadership uh, at either publication was you know running after and say oh we got to have this story it was you got to convince us that uh, it it you know going to stand scrutiny
2: Yeah. well what do you think uh, tipped it over uh, so that this particular uh installment of the saga uh, was picked up and 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 uh, run with by the times what what pushed it over the uh over the top form do you think before
1: you answer john i want to just do our break colonel john b alexander we're talking about the Pentagon UFO study and the ramifications and other issues with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special. In multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour.
4: Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply, or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change?
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Okay, John B. Alexander, would you respond to Chris's question here? What tipped or caused the decision to cover this story.
3: Well, I I think it's much the other way around. It was being pushed from the, to the stars side very hard. And again, that they had enough evidence. Again, you had mentioned Leslie, she was only one. I know they had to show the videos and there are more than what have been released. And allow the Times and Politico, and the others who got involved, to do uh, significant background research, who, again, they did not want to get in front of their headlights and have this come back to bite them in the ass. But this was not like uh, the Mueller, you know, everything that uh, Mueller does uh, in that investigation, everybody wants that story. This is one that was, you know, prove it to us that it's um, valid and, you know, can be supported and we're not going to get hurt. I mean, there is... Uh, Unlike some of the other things, there's a huge amount of risk aversion uh, in the media with dealing with these kind of stories.
1: This is a thing to point out here, too, as much as the mainstream media is maligned. A publication like the New York Times, Politico, the Washington Post, they have fact checkers and editors and everyone else, and they're pretty careful with a story, especially if it's going to be provocative in any way. It's not just quick coverage of a disaster or something or a crime. Right.
3: And they were. They held this for a while. I don't know when they first got the information. Uh, I know Leslie was uh, given access to the information a couple of months earlier. Uh, so they were sitting on it. And I think, uh, from what I understand, the uh, editors were very insistent that uh, they crossed the T's and dotted the I's before they went with the story.
1: When did you first become acquainted with what was going on here with regard to the study that got into the hands of Robert Bigelow?
3: Oh, frankly, when the, the story broke in the New York Times. I was not aware of it There was ongoing internally here at all.
1: Of course, you worked with NIDS, but at what point did that close down?
3: Oh, I would absolutely to look say, if I... I'm not like sure. 20, 000, uh, two, two
2: thousand two, or something.
3: Um, that'd be about right. I'm ninety-five, six years, yeah, around two thousand and two, and it it kind of went in pieces. It w- it was not uh, an instantaneous drop. There were several. My status and Eric Davis uh, changed uh, a bit before. Uh, he was going to go into kind of a semi uh, a semi reporting status where you could get assigned by specific projects, uh, and then terminated the uh, uh, entire operation shortly thereafter.
2: Yeah. well, I remember Bruce Cornett was brought in as the last manager, if I remember correctly.
3: No, uh, uh, Colum was the uh, um, I think. Not all us. I was there before. Callum uh, Kelleher, but uh, he was the deputy administrator
2: uh,
8: all along.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, I was. Um, <laughs> I got. Uh, I did a whole round of calls to everybody, yourself, John Schusler, uh, whoever, whoever I could get on the phone. Basically, when Jack Sarfati floated that crazy rumor um, fifteen years ago, that that uh, got. Somehow laid at my 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 desk and uh, on my lap and and did quite a bit of backpedaling to <laughs> disassociate myself from the rumor and uh, also find out if there was anything to it. Um, well, you know, another thing that's been coming up, John, is uh, you know you you're good friends with Robert Bigelow. I, I would assume because you've known him for quite some time and you both are kind of locals there in, in Las Vegas. Um,
3: it seems like not he's travel in the same circles. <laughs> <That way.
2: laughs> well, but but you know you know him pretty well. I would I would say I would venture a guess that uh, I would say you're you're pretty good friends with him um, because of your your like interests, I'm sure, um, and and the fact that you uh, you know were signed on to help out with the NIDS uh, program. Um, how is it that he seems to be popping up now in the middle of anything that has to do with? Uh, with um this story he he just he's he seems to be right right smack dead in the middle of this
3: yeah as i understand as in contrary to popular belief uh this was not a no bid uh or sole source contract I understand it was bid and uh, bob uh won was a natural, uh, he had the facilities, he is involved actively in space exploration, uh, had run NIDs, had the people who had uh, interest uh, in the area, the infrastructure necessary to do uh, the requirements. Now, uh, one of the big things to remember, and most know this, but this $22 million that has been battered about is scattered over five years, and in Pentagon terms, you're not even talking lunch money.
1: Well, you know, Um, it's like, for example, if I gave a penny compared to somebody who had $100 in the bank, that would be too much. But the question I have here is, you mentioned that it was a bid contract. Who bid? Who offered their services in addition to Bigelow?
3: No, 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 that's not the way it works. I, I don't know just have heard from others that if the contract was put out, it was probably, they put out what you call an RFP or request for proposal, probably done in very small circles. I mean, if I had to guess, you'd find folks like Lockheed or, uh, you know, others in the aerospace, probably some small uh, research R&D companies who might have uh, bid it. Others not like, you know. I want to say, I have no Knowledge that Lockheed was one. I just mentioned them as people who have done advanced research and individuals and and certainly one of the key people who went with to the stars uh, came out of the Skunk Works. I also know from much earlier experience, as uh, I've mentioned, that Ben Rich, who was the second director of the Skunk Works, was a personal acquaintance and we had met Several times and discussed this in some detail. Now he, of course, had since transition, but um, you know he certainly had the right kinds of people there. So who put it went up? Don't know. But it was. Uh, I am told that it was not a sole source bid. I, you know, a lot of stuff has been or inference has been made about a personal relationship between Harry Reid and Bob Bigelow, and they certainly do know each other. And um, George Knapp also deserves some credit in there in that he has been working, I would say cultivating Senator Reed for many, many years uh, before this, i.e. telling him stories about UFOs and the research he was doing. And uh, Skinwalker Ranch in particular apparently played a significant role.
1: We got more to come. Talking to Colonel John B. Alexander about the Pentagon UFO study and the implications with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com
10: today.
12: Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. People are waking
13: up. They're standing up to those pushing pesticides and GMOs as safe alternatives for a starving world a bunch of crap i tell you i'd rather eat dirt so i drink life change tea it's an herbal drink cleansing my body of toxic sludge and nasty chemicals and of course ridding the intruders that are hidden in my so-called food and by the way life change tea is non-gmo and organic no fillers no yuck just a great defense against you know what may the supplement force awaken you don't fall to the dark side oh Uh, Sorry, (laughs) I went to the movies last night. Anyway, enough said. How do you get that herbal drink and change your life? GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. You will awaken. You will get stronger. And you might even lose a bit of weight. So awaken to life-change tea and the many one-of-a-kind supplements at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. May the supplement force be with you.
14: People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered, from business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? That's 800 831 0771. 800 831 0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com.
8: This is Robert Hastings,
15: author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So the question here is something like this. There have been different interpretations of how this contract came to be. Is it in any part as a favor to Senator Reid? Remember, he was Senate Majority Leader at the time, a very powerful politician. Favor? They throw him a bone for doing this, or did he just make a good...
3: Who who is they? I'm not following this at all. Okay, well,
1: obviously, they're giving out... Okay, they're I mean, uh, letting a contract for twenty-two million dollars. Who makes that decision?
3: Not the way it works at all. I refer people to Chapter Five of my book on uh, UFOs, myths, conspiracies, and reality. This is a fundamental mistake in thinking how the government works. Again, they would if somebody again in this case, Defense Intelligence Agency would have put out an RFP and this can be limited or RFP is a request for proposal. It goes to people in it. Now, many of the open ones are available in the CBD, you know, like uh, congressional, I forget the exact name, but it's the daily bulletin where they put out all of the requests for proposal by the government. And this can include You know, R&D, like we're talking about, uh, buying toilet paper or tanks or airplanes. But there's a very set proposal. These are handled by admin kinds of folks, not the people who are running the program. Now, in this case, they had uh, obviously advanced to the point where they convinced Reed. Now, Reed was not alone in this. Uh, Senator Stevens was involved, and one of the things I had not known was that Stevens had had a personal experience actually seeing a UFO when he was a pilot uh, in the Air Force. Uh, You also had Daniel Inouye from Hawaii uh, who was involved, so they were able to get it. You had money, and remember, the department was involved in advanced aerial threats. Which is far broader than the UFOs. This would obviously be a small piece of what was going on there. Could be done uh, in the open, and what they did is what Congress always does: earmark a small amount of money, and then the proposal goes out and is fulfilled by, you know, some agency.
1: Well, I wanted to understand the process here, so our listeners can understand how something like this would come to be. Then again, as you say, over a period of several years, $22 million is a drop in the bucket.
3: But remember, forget the $22 million. Go to 4 to 5 I mean, that's the level that this is. It eventually became 22 I might remind you that the uh, UFO program, or I'm sorry, remote viewing program that went on, the uh, SRI and then later to SAIC, was about $20 million over... A longer period. But the point is that everybody jumps on the $20 million. Now, for you and I, I am assuming that if that appeared in our, our personal bank account, it would be a big deal. But when you amortize it and you look at this, by the way, I did do the numbers on uh, this contract and said from the DOD perspective, it is zero point. of the budget. We're talking noise. And again, one of the things that happened, and the reason they were able to go as long as they were, it was so far in the noise that nobody was looking at it seriously. When the visibility popped up, that's when the problems uh, started, and you started people saying, Why are we spending that money? This is, by the way, very consistent with what I had found uh, 30 years ago. Remember, I ran a similar program uh, starting in the 80s, a full two decades, uh, two to three decades uh, before this one started. I give them credit in being able to get funded, but the issues involved are very much the same.
2: No, you're referring to the your where you work at Los uh, Alamos?
3: No. You no, know, when I was on active duty,
2: oh, I, see. I put
3: together a similar team. I had representatives from uh, all of the services, from various uh, agencies in the intelligence community, and from uh, the aerospace industry. And it was a TSSCI-level program just like this. And... You know came together to look, and our response or uh, conclusions were almost identical to what has uh, transpired here. They were able to get more data. Uh, but as far as getting any closer to serious answers, uh, don't think they're there. I want to add one thing though. I think it is a mistake to put this in the Department of Defense or even necessarily uh, in the government uh, alone. I think the, if you've got to solve any of these issues, I don't know that they are solvable. The effort has to be much, much broader. No. Uh, I understand exactly why they did, because the procedures they followed seem to be almost identical to, again, what I did uh, decades ago.
2: No, Well, it, it sure has uh, become quite the, uh, the story of the century in terms of this, uh, this particular subject. Uh, do, do you think that uh, we're going to see anything else uh, uh, come from this in terms of more uh, acceptance in the media, uh, and possibly even congressional, more congressional acceptance of the subject, uh, just as a legitimate yeah. area of study?
7: Well, I think
3: there will probably be push. Uh, again, if you read my book, we almost had Congressional hearings I'll say around 2000. I was still with NIDS uh, at that time. We had met with a Congressman. Uh, appendix to my book, I mean, I actually wrote the charter, uh, draft charter for the Congressional studies. It didn't happen. Uh, a lot of the problem, well, there were two things. One was we had uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner, who was then the head of the Air and Space Committee, who was adamantly opposed. It was hell no, not on his watch. And then about the same time that we were trying, we were going to just wait him out, because they change every two years. Um, About the time we got going, some guy by the name of Stephen Greer came to town and started beating the drum and scaring everybody and yelling at the government. And when that (laughs) happened... (laughs) <laughs> uh, ballyhoo you know you can still find the uh reports on the on the internet all support totally disappeared at that point
2: yeah no oh boy and i'm
1: wondering shot. here though when you raise that issue and we have to split for a break in a moment that when you have people like a stephen greer or even a stephen bassett make rather sometimes outrageous demands for ufo disclosure if that doesn't have the reverse effect where they don't want to get involved with these people, and so even people who might have something to say will push back. What do you think? Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. Remember, contrary to what the UFO community, they think this is the most important thing since sex or sliced bread. From a political perspective, it is a strong negative. The Congressman that uh, we were dealing with, I looked at him and said, "Can you take a twenty point hit in the polls?" And I do know. I'll give you the specific example is Senator Pell, who was uh, from Rhode Island, long, long history uh, as a, a leading senator, many of the committees. Uh, he brought it up, and his opponent did bring up his interest in various phenomena. And it did take a twenty uh, point hit in the poll. The most interesting thing was, we do know his opponent who lost, but she was personally interested in these areas, and was just using this because she knew it would you could generate a negative response.
1: We're going to have a negative response if we don't do this break. Colonel John B. Alexander, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, you're in the Paracast. <laughs>
10: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition
15: for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to The Paracast.
1: We have a second radio show called After The Paracast that can be a little bit of anything, unpredictable. And you get it if you subscribe to The Paracast Plus. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. And we're talking to Colonel Alexander about the Pentagon UFO study and kind of the background of how such things begin. And we mentioned as we close the session that it appears that sometimes the demand from the outside, from the wrong places about UFO disclosure can have the reverse effect. And it also can hurt the person in government, the congressman or senator who expresses an interest. Has Senator Reid said a lot about his interest in UFOs? What about it? Has he said anything much in public about his interest? Oh,
3: well, since this became known, of course, he is out of office now, and that makes it very safe for him. He's not going to run again. He has said uh, basically money well spent and just glad that they were involved and thinks it's a, a valid area to research. I mean, having said that, you do not see him... CNN or in any of the major news networks uh, addressing these issues.
1: The question I have, of course, here is how closely tied is this DeLong to what Bob Bigelow is doing, or is he just happened to be there?
3: You'd have to ask him, as far as I know, he came along after the program had uh, the funded program had closed. Uh, I agree with the general thing that there are you know some efforts that uh, that are continuing. Uh, don't know if they're funded uh, or not, or if it's just people who have significant interest in the area. The Long's effort you know to the SARS is a private uh, for public good uh, effort uh, that uh, is, I think, struggling for money i don't think they're anywhere near what uh uh, he had i think he'd anticipated getting in tens of millions and i understand they're down in what between two and three
1: well they got two million pretty quickly they got two million pretty quickly and that's pretty much been stagnant
3: no that, that two million uh was not quick in my estimation and if you look at the number of donors in, uh, that are involved, or in, actually investors is the better term. Um, what you don't see is anybody coming in with uh, ten million dollars. You know, you do not see major investors. Uh, the ones that I've talked to who have is more like, you know, had sufficient funds. and um, I'll do this just to encourage them and just so I can keep uh, access to the information.
2: So um, I guess it's a little bit of a time for reassessment uh, on their part. I, I, I still, to my, you know, just looking at the whole thing and listening to him speak, I don't really understand, you know, where they want to uh, do the most good. I, I, You know, the entertainment part, I mean that's a given. Um, you know, people love to be entertained, but when it comes to you know putting together programs uh, that may be addressing hard scientific uh, investigation and research, you know maybe some real world-class analytical work on um, on some of the um, evidence that may be uh, available to them. I, I really don't see uh, that much of a vision that really. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's. Uh, I'm not sure how well conceived the whole thing is um, you know I I, I, well,
3: I I know the key people, and I think they have a pretty good idea uh, but uh, that uh, I think some of the information that's been gleaned has given how oh, putoff has talked about uh, a better understanding of some advanced propulsion techniques, but we're talking about what we call basic science—I mean, the very fundamental levels—probably before you get to red board, let alone brass board. I.e., we're we're building rudimentary models. Um, as I've said, I think on your program and certainly any other that I get a chance to, yeah, you know, I, I think that the phenomena are far broader than just looking at UFOs, and in fact, I think it's a mistake to stovepipe that. Uh, But further, that whatever we're dealing with is at least as complex as AIDS or cancer. And we put tens to hundreds of billions of dollars into research in those areas. So when we start talking a couple of million...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think the, the term would be chump change, I think, would be... <laughs> I use that. The other thing I'm wondering here is, Bigelow
1: has what over a billion dollars?
2: Mm, that's
1: an assumption. A
3: private company, so nobody knows.
1: Yeah, that's an assumption. So on the other hand, then did he need to go find a government source for 22 million, or could he have just funded this himself? Well, he, ha- he has been.
2: He's been spending millions I mean, of right. dollars. I mean, sure, that's Ken Walker Ranch. That cost a lot of dough. Well, sure, that's now, what Bigelow, I'm saying. The, Bigelow has put more
3: money of his personal money into this area, the UFO area, yeah. than probably anybody in the history of, yeah. of the uh, effort.
2: Oh, I'd Having absolutely
16: agree.
3: That, he also has uh, Bigelow Aerospace, and the uh, has two satellites that are circulating us as we speak. He has a compartment that was uh, attached to the ISS, the National Space Station. Um, I, my understanding is that he has put... Um, I understand it's around $300 million of his private money into this venture with very little output. And he used to joke and say the quickest way for a billionaire to become a millionaire... Is to invest in
2: aerospace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Elon Musk and uh, and maybe even Bezos and, and a couple of others are, you know, if they haven't found out already, they're going to. It's three steps forward, uh, two and five eight steps back. There's <laughs> no getting around the R and D curve, you know.
1: Well, let's see. According to the published sources I checked, Bigelow's worth a billion, but Bezos is worth many, many times that. Yeah.
2: Well, so is Elon well, Musk.
3: There's a number of rich folks around, no doubt about that. Yeah. And uh, one of the greatest problems we have in the U.S. today is the wealth disparity. Yeah. Um, Somebody specifically where it's an uh, uh, unfair wealth disparity.
1: Okay, so it says here, wealth, this is the latest net worth, $98.6 for Bezos, Bill Gates, $90.2 poor Bill. Mark Zuckerberg seventy two point three, Elon Musk twenty point six. Yeah, it's lonely at the top. It sure is. It sure <laughs> is. I don't know.
2: Well, I'm you know I'm, I'm interested in when someone's going to crack open the NRO and find out what they know. Wouldn't that be interesting? The good old National no, Reconnaissance really, Office. I don't
3: think so the problem that uh, that they encountered and. Uh, the, one of the biggest findings in the study that I ran was that nobody's in charge. You've heard my presentation when I say there's good news and bad news. Right. and that's, uh, both of them are the government doesn't care, and that's true. Uh, what you had with this study is the uh, same thing as a individual who was willing to go out in the limb, work his ass off, and make some minor advantages. I think we pointed out that, uh, we said the secretary did not, whom he knew personally, did not know about the study until hours before the New York Times hit. So, again, people just have no concept of how big organizations, particularly the government or Department of Defense, work. And how information moves. Yeah, you can muck about. And uh, the, by the way, the number that I had been given was very close to what was spent. I talked to people who work in the black world. Said, "Yeah, you can do about twenty million dollars before you know real serious uh, evaluation comes in, and you start having to compete for money." Um. But this is in you know, a small level of what would be called discretionary funds, and they covered it quite well by saying we're dealing with advanced threats, and there certainly were other advanced threats, particularly with the uh, uh, acceleration of uh, drone or UAV yeah. technology. Yep. So this is certainly something that needs to be studied seriously.
1: We've got more to come. With Colonel John B. Alexander, Gene, and Chris, you're in The Pericast.
9: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Please go to plus for more information about After the PowerCast, the ad-free version of this show, which you can get for a low subscription rate, plus.thepowercast.com, for the PowerCast Plus. So guys, do you think after all this and the publicity it's received, we've learned anything new or different about UFOs? (laughs) You seem to be focusing, obviously, most of the discussions on nuts and bolts with regard to the study as opposed to what we might have learned.
2: No, you're talking physics. Uh, do we know anything more about the science or, or
1: anything uh, about UFOs? I mean, gun camera photos are not going to necessarily lead us to greater knowledge, are they?
2: No, and and also the the quality of those particular uh, released uh, bits of footage uh, call many things in the in the question. In my mind, I mean, that looks uh, like technology from the '70s or '80s that we're looking at instead uh, of what, something.
3: You're, you're totally missing the point in that case it is not about gun camera videos. The point is that in the incident that happened, it occurred over a period of a couple of weeks. And they mentioned that when that footage was taken, you had three separate radar systems, because people have talked about the film and say, oh, it's just a fluke or something. You You had three distinct, different radar. You had the most advanced system the surface uh, from the ships. You had the uh, a, uh, airborne command post that was uh, tracking it, as well as the uh, aircraft themselves. You there have... was an
2: AWACS up, John? I didn't realize that. Yep. What?
3: One of them was AWACS, but I know there was an airborne command post that uh, is the second system, and the third was the onboard system and the visual observation. Right. So the point is that you have multi-sensory data, and I've seen all of these arguments about, you know, how good is the film released. I suspect it was probably degraded to some degree. Yeah, that's, that was uh, my point. I have reason to believe that before it was released, because the issue is not about UFOs. It's about guarding sources and methods,
2: specifically
3: right. how good are your sensors. That's right. the thing you would want to keep secret.
2: Yeah, and so that would make sense why uh, they would uh, degrade the apparent quality there. And and, and that's very frustrating, though, because I know, based on a little bit of research, that they do have quite uh, amazing technological uh, capabilities uh, nowadays.
3: Again, if we get back to it, that's why I do not think this is a military issue. What the military and other government agencies bring to the table are some pretty exquisite sensor systems. However, remember, this is a global phenomenon, has been going on for millennia. You can't bottle it up and keep it, you know, this is going to be you know, my UFOs, if you will. And I think we need a global effort. You certainly need civilian institutions. Uh, involved. It gets back to one of my mantras that I use in everyone. I use this in uh, reality denied and say what we need to do is to make it permissible for senior scientists across the board, not just government scientists to become involved and study these phenomena without risking their livelihood,
2: reputation,
3: uh, careers.
2: Yeah, that's really the, the most important, I think, Message that I get from from your outspoken uh, opinions. Uh, and and that's a mantra that you've been repeating for years. and it's it's absolutely, absolutely the foremost thing that really we need to address uh, culturally, to make these subjects acceptable uh, for mainstream uh, individuals, the talent the talent that we have, to be able to exercise their creative uh, abilities and in curiosity. Without being ostracized and without being, uh, you know, have to cower because they're worried about tenure, their their retirement, or or uh, any sort of um, you know problems uh, currently in their job. You know, you meet people online who are so into to the subject and they're so paranoid. When you ask, you know, well, what's your real name? And and they they freak out because you know, God forbid, word should get out that they are interested in these subjects. This guy calls himself Isaac Coy online. He's a barrister in in England. He has done more single-handedly to digitize old analog magazines and reports and, and things than anybody I know. And the guy is in fear of being exposed. He's still slogging away and digitizing all this great historical and very important, I think, uh, case files and, and publications and other things. And uh, he's an example of someone that's that's remaining anonymous. It, but still being very, very public in, in doing the work that needs to be done. That nobody else is, is bothering to to pick up the uh, you know the workload and, and deal with it. You know, John, I, I commend you on that and, and I, I I have been echoing that same that same observation now for years. You you inspire me to to really make that a, a major issue in any any talks that I give on on the radio or any talks I, I do out there, that's something I always say that if, if this wasn't so taboo in the culture, we would be possibly light years ahead in our understanding.
3: Well, it's going to take that because, uh, again, it gets back the complexity of the phenomena is just mind-boggling. As you know, I've used a term called uh, the precognitive sentient phenomena, right? Uh, and that came out of things we observed at um, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, Uh, But, like I say, there's something that's in charge, and it ain't us. And it's terribly complex. And we need the best and brightest minds involved in trying to, you know, advance uh, some of these topics.
2: Yeah. Yeah, amen. You're here. I absolutely agree 100%, 110%. And like you said, uh, anything short of that is really going to be a problem. We're not going to be able to do the, the, you know, the, the quality of work and, and be able to you know, put our intellectual resources that we have to bear on, on the situation and the questions. Uh, we need the best and the brightest. Uh, absolutely.
3: And we need them to have access to the best sensors available and things of that nature, and you're only right. going to get that. Just expense alone drives you into a, an uh, institutional uh, right. Response to try and
2: do those sorts. Of- I'm I'm dealing with that right now with the San Luis Valley monitoring project. Uh, you know, we we designed our own little sort of record on motion, uh, detect motion, record on motion software. You know, it's good for five thousand dollars or whatever we put into it. But compared to the big boys, I mean, I just lust after some of the targeting software that uh, <laughs> the government has to be able to put that up on a three cell towers and coordinate their their. Uh, their data gathering that would, would really be something, but uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's you got to kind of do a D- DIY, <laughs> yeah, it's a do it yourself kind of uh kind of situation. Well, 20 years ago when I first thought of it, it would have been over two million dollars, uh, uh, to do the whole thing a, a million for, for gear, uh, another million for um, uh. You know, to go to to infrared and and other more exotic uh, detection uh, equipment that was available. But now, I mean, we're talking 60,000 to to really get it going and then double that for forward-looking infrared um, for, you know, visual stuff at night um, or, you know. Gathering that sort of data uh, on the infrared uh, level uh, from that spectrum, but uh, you know, again, it's it's a lot more f- affordable now. But again, that's six, 60, 60 grand that we're going to have to throw at the uh, at the thing ultimately. So, I mean, it, it's it can be done, but it's much more difficult uh, when you don't have the deep pockets of a Bob Bigelow or the uh, clout within <laughs> the congressional budget offices and the committees that. Uh, that look at these proposals?
3: Well, one of the comments that I've heard that I think is unfortunate, um, and this comes out of uh, I guess a subset of the UFO community, and that's uh, shall we just say experiencers, uh, if you will. Um, And that, uh, you know, they go, ain't it awful that they're talking about a threat, it's not really a threat, and um, all that. go well, problem you have to remember is that these people had to justify uh, their expense. They're working for the Department of Defense, and so it has to be something that relates to defending the nation.
1: John B. Alexander, Gene and Chris, you're in The (laughs) Paracast Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30. You know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes. that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking... Japanese panko chicken. It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com, use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com
17: you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's eight hundred seven six five nine six eight one. 800 765 9681
18: People search the
14: internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? With ReputationDefender.com, you can establish a positive Internet presence. ReputationDefender.com pioneered the field with over a decade of experience, serving thousands of successful individuals and businesses. We use patented, award-winning systems to boost positive content and suppress negative material. Don't let the Internet define you. Take control of your reputation today with ReputationDefender.com for your quick free reputation analysis call 800-831-0771 that's 800-831-0771 800-831-0771 or visit reputationdefender.com
10: hi i'm marcia miller from mud pie every new parent dreams of bringing their baby home for the first time but some babies are born too sick or too soon to come home right away. That's why MudPie supports the life-saving research and programs of the March of Dimes, the leading nonprofit organization for pregnancy and baby health. Help us give every baby a fighting chance so that more babies can come home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.org.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: What I understand, John, from what you're saying there in our previous segment is the Defense Department has to justify some kind of national security angle. Does this, whatever it is, present a potential threat? Then they can go for it. This
3: is their job. They are the Department of Defense. This, again, gets back to people do not understand how the government works. And you've probably seen my slides that say there is no Department of Good Ideas.
16: Um,
3: (laughs) (laughs) The way it works is that you have given amount of money in whatever N is, and that uh, you run out of money long before you run out of good ideas of things that you ought to do. So it's a highly competitive environment, including in the black world. And, again, we saw what happened when the visibility was raised. Uh, People came after them and said, you know, what are you doing? How do you justify that? I can better use the money. And the competition in that world is just as fierce as it is in the white world.
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably more so. Even uh, when you when you get down to you know specifics in specific areas that are highly highly competitive, yeah, I would imagine. And you know, people have to also understand that you know governments are like glacial uh, in terms of, of changing the uh, the culture uh, within government, um, the military, uh, the Department of Defense. It's very very difficult. It's like uh, the old proverbial turning a battleship with a, a wooden oar. It's very, very difficult to change the, the, the mindset, the culture, the thinking. It almost has to be changed for it. Like a Second World War uh, expedited, uh, I think, a lot of things within government. Uh, the whole glacial aspect of government was kind of thrown out you're, the door. You're
3: actually raising a very interesting point here, and that is we have Basically, been at war for the last what, 2001, so we're now talking more than 16 to 17 years. My point there is, when you you know you hear about oh they're hiding all this technology and all of that, well you you look at the advances that have been made because you are correct in that during periods of conflict and when we're doing this that. You know, technologies do advance, and they do generally spill out into the civilian sector, at least eventually. And the point here is, you look at what advances uh, have been made, and you know, but the best you can point to is the F-35. You know, one of the pluses is there have been advances in prosthetics uh, because people on the battlefield, uh, fortunately, live longer, but then require additional resources for support. Yeah, what you don't see, at least I don't see anywhere, is any big leaps in propulsion technology or stealth or anything uh, like that.
2: Doesn't that argue, uh, support the argument that we really haven't made the real exotic breakthroughs that uh, some conspiracy buffs would like us to believe?
16: Basically, yes.
2: Well, well, how about anti grab technology? I mean, there's been rumors... uh, for years, yeah. that the B, B-2 has some sort of anti-grav uh, takeoff capability uh, or, or lift lift help.
3: V stall and anti-gravity are not the same by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Okay, well, you know, some people maybe get their terms uh, mixed up. Capability Never can trust what you read on no. the internet.
3: <laughs> B-2 does not have uh, any anti-gravity capability. And remember, if you did, this is where I and the community, I guess, run into difficulty. If you had this capability, it also infers that you have a fundamental different source of energy. And so that you use that to, just to make a little widget that flies around, belies logic, because if you have this external energy system that's fundamentally different from anything that we've got now. It changes the geopolitical situation in the world.
2: You would think, yeah. You
3: you know, no longer have to worry about the Middle East or placating people that we don't like very much and don't get along with. It, It changes everything, and little widgets that fly are interesting, but not terribly important.
2: Yeah. Well, that's always been um, my argument against, uh, you know, the secret space program. And, you know, in terms of a robust, uh, you know, gallivanting around the solar system-sized uh, uh, program, obviously we have some military projects that are, I'm sure, have, are fairly operational, if not uh, more than that. But when you're talking about fleets of, of starships and and bases on Mars, bases on the Moon, um That's the one thing, and again, I'll echo your um, observation, that uh, that sort of technology at this would have at some point uh, filtered out into the mainstream. And, um, you know, stories of Philip Corso and, you know, other whistleblower types that that claim that certain technologies that we have now currently that are um, publicly known have been, Salted into the public sector, uh, uh, you know, fiber optic cables, uh, Velcro. I've heard, uh, you know, certain laser technology, transistors. You know, all you do is a little bit of research, and you find out exactly where all that technology came from, and who developed it, and, and what the development curve was. It's all public knowledge. So, I totally agree with you that if we had that sort of exotic technology already. You know, (laughs) we wouldn't be building F-35s and and craft that are, you know, questionable in their uh, bang for the buck, uh, their value.
3: You know who Bert Rutan is? Yes. Okay, well, Bert was by a couple of months ago had the opportunity to spend the day. And we talked specifically about the uh, advances in the F-35, how good it was. And he points out that the fundamentals of that technology... Are about twenty years old, and so while right. we're seeing it advance now, that uh, it is, you know, far from you know the, the I can't say the cutting edge, but it's about as good as we can get for being implemented. Yeah. One of the things we point out is that well, in this area I worked in is taking, well, my last job specifically was Director of Advanced System Concepts for the Army Laboratory Command. and I had a lot of very, very high-tech stuff, some of which we're seeing, some of which not. And the point is, it just takes that long for this to move from what we discussed earlier, the basic science technique, you know, to fielding, minimum 15 years.
1: If we had secret alien technology, sir, recovered from somewhere... Why aren't we seeing the fruits of that information? I mean, after all, we should be flying all around the galaxy by now. No, no, wait a minute. That's in a science fiction TV show. Oh, well, there you go. I came to a dead stop.
3: (laughs) I thought you were asking Chris specifically. The answer is because we don't. Obviously. I mean, it changes everything. Uh, And, say you know, as i've said we talk consistently about disclosure and of course my question is disclosure of what
1: let me break and let's talk about that further because that stuff has arisen again in light of all this with colonel john b alexander gene and chris you're in The the pericast
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit
10: gcnlive.com today. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and 347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
7: Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call
19: 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Kiss your credit card debt goodbye. I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy and myself, want to show you how to achieve financial peace, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message
20: Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
10: Message and data rates may apply. Oh my gosh, that's Frank Thomas. No. Yes, that's him. Go ahead. Excuse me, are you Frank Thomas? Yes, I am. I bet you get recognized a lot.
21: I was a pretty good ball player.
10: You were?
1: Some people thought so.
10: Sorry, we recognize you from those Nugenics commercials.
1: Oh yeah? That's great.
10: So does Nugenics really work?
1: Oh yeah, I really can feel the difference. My workouts are better and I feel a lot more energetic.
10: I wish my husband would use Nugenics.
1: It's so easy to get started. All you have to do is send one simple text.
4: Text the word PRIME44 to two. Four two four For a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And you're going to like the difference too. Text PRIME44 to 42424 for a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. Samples are not available in stores. Text PRIME44 to 42424.
8: This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
3: radio.
1: So, of course, as Colonel Alexander said, where are the fruits of this reverse-engineered technology that may exist? So, the disclosure advocates probably feel they're being vindicated by all this news about the Pentagon UFO study. And I asked Chris before, well, you know, what have we seen? Have we seen anything new? It teaches us anything more about the UFOs and what they're all about. What's your observation?
3: Well, I have not seen the report. So one of the things, again, if I revert back to the study that I did in the 1980s, One of our hypotheses was that if you just studied the technology uh, or the observation, the characteristics and aerodynamics of whatever these objects are, that it could lead you to, through inference, try to figure out what it would take to be able to do that. And that you could make technological advances. One of the Major things is that you've got to believe that it can exist, and the way you do that is observation of what does exist out there and how you can uh, apply that. There's a lot of examples of this, by the way. Uh, one that I used that I was cautioning folks on you remember Struxnet? Does that ring a bell at all? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, and the Iranian. Uh Centrifuges, I think, didn't they, uh, they?
3: Somebody went after the Iranian centrifuges <laughs> with advanced technology. My point at the time, and I think it's proven quite accurately, well and good, glad you could do that, but you've now told everybody this is possible. Yeah. And once they see the model, uh, even if you don't understand everything about it, it now says this is the direction to focus your research.
2: Yeah, yeah all those development... You know those leaps forward and in, in applying technology uh, definitely then comes back to bite you. <laughs> Just it's kind of how it works. You know it's life. Unfortunately, well you know again I'm I'm still scratching my head wondering what it took to get Hal put off to get involved in uh, to the Stars Academy. Because you know, I've been a big fan of of Hal, and and you know, I, I'm not that familiar with what he's been doing the last 20 years. But I know it's been some very very serious work that he's been doing. Um, you know, at the behest of uh, at the Department of Defense and probably others. Uh, I, I don't know, but I do know the man would not get involved in a project like this unless a there were other individuals involved that that he respected and 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 could work with and and. And and that's the case in this uh, particular instance. But uh, I mean, you've talked to him. Uh, what was dangled in front of him to get him to publicly, you know, get behind something that is being kind of the figurehead and it's, it's the spearhead of the whole thing? Is a is a a power punk kind of band rock star guitar player. Th- there's a disconnect here in my mind about this, and and I'm still trying to reconcile.
3: You know, I do not understand everything I see in that regard myself, except that uh, I do know, again, several of the people, and that they hope to be able to um, get the information out. They do think that, uh, and this is second-hand now, that they have sufficient information to make potentially some of the big leaps in uh, advancing technology, but that... um, this was uh, the best thing to come along, a uh, uh, most equitable uh, opportunity. So whether they'll get further or not, certainly got some good minds working on it. But having said that, like say, if you go to the website, look at the amount of money.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's only going to get you so far down the road. You know, and there's a couple of other areas that I think we should address here. And, and one was the very curious, and, and I would say very surprising, Admit mittens that uh, that Robert Bigelow has a special room that's been that's been um, you know hardened or or you know, made. Well,
3: a skiff is is a skiff. I mean, I don't find that terribly exciting. Well, anything. they're
2: talking about you know a material that can be. I'm not sure exactly how the wording is, but it sounds like uh, you know alien technology, some sort of metals or or some sort oh, of debris there, uh, possibly has been uh, sequestered. Now, what are we talking about here? Do, do you have any knowledge of what those uh, no. samples However,
3: are? I don't have any direct knowledge of it. But having said that, again, if you go back to, uh, you know, 1980s, the project that I was involved with, we knew that there were certain unusual or pieces of equipment with unusual chemical properties, And the issue was, you know, how do you go ahead and do the research on it? Now, at NEDS, we did get in some materials. But the point there is that the research was done, basically contracted out. It was not done in-house. I don't know what his current capabilities are, whether they have. But I think, again, if you're going to deal with best and brightest the kinds of Analysis that I think would have to be done. You would want the capabilities of a national laboratory. Or oh,
2: something absolutely, like that. and you'd want to duplicate and, and, and triplicate your your testing as as well. Quick question: uh, Do you know if possibly some of the items that may be uh, sequestered away uh, include the the metal little metal rods that were found at the cattle mutilation site on the Skinwalker Ranch?
3: Um, I thought those were looked at. Uh, I don't know. In fact, I know that was looked at and quite unremarkable. We were able to determine they were Uh some some kind of lantern
2: of some kind. Okay, yeah, I heard there were tractor parts. Is what somebody told me. But the very fact that they were there in in the place where they were found, it seemed
3: seemed a little strange. The point is that the research, the actual analysis, was contracted out. That was not done in house.
2: Right. Right, with, with a lab that didn't know what they were looking at, really, I'm, I'm sure. Right. But they were kept totally in the dark. Um, at least that's how i do it. Uh, well, I mean, what are we talking about here? Is this stuff that that, that, uh, that Mr. Bigelow has has obtained on his own? Is this stuff that's been uh, given to him by the government? Um, it's still very unclear in my mind. Uh, maybe it's a combination of the two. Um you know, I and why would you even mention that?
3: I have no idea.
2: The very fact that that was even brought up and and became, uh, and I think it wasn't as Alzando that that mentioned that initially. Quite. If I remember
3: correctly. I, I don't remember who.
2: I think I think it might have been. Uh, I'm you know somebody uh, <laughs> check, you know check that for me. Uh, well, I you know again, I mean. Why would why would you even mention something like that? I mean, that is so um, controversial, uh, just in nature. Number one, and number two, it'd be something that could really become highly sensationalized and and could uh, create a lot of problems in a PR sort of sense. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't understand the thinking. Maybe you have some insight. I, I don't
3: uh, I have no knowledge, so I can't uh, speak responsibly on that issue at all.
2: Well, if you had to guess, what would your guess be?
3: (laughs) I'm not going to get into a guessing contest.
2: (laughs) Well, I had to give it a shot. I had to try. (laughs) Uh, Well, I could guess. uh, Not having, you know, the relationships in, in the background that you have, of course, you know, I'm I'm already probably considered a loose cannon by by many people already, so it would be no problem for me to venture some guess, uh, guess, guesses. Guesses. Uh, so I don't know. I will just drop that. The very fact that they claim that they have material gathered from these anomalous objects uh, is very tantalizing and and but, sensational. Yeah.
3: In in my briefings that took place decades ago. That was a piece of it. Is that we knew that certain material existed. It certainly has or reported to exist, and we thought that having access to it would be, you know, beneficial. And uh, but get back to the bottom line is nobody was willing to fund it.
1: We got to do a break here. We'll continue with John B. Alexander, Gina, and Chris. You're in the
2: Paracast. <laughs>
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
1: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
19: Are you living your passion? Are you pumped to go to work because you get to talk about or work with or do the things that interest you the most? Is working, playing, and relaxing one and the same? As long as you're working for someone else, you'll never be living entirely true to yourself and your passion. I'm Pharmacist Keith. Let me show you how you can work around your current schedule, create the extra income so you can live your passion. Visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. radio.recordedvideo.com.
10: Age-related macular degeneration is a leading cause of blindness in people over 55. But with treatment, it can be slowed down, stopped, and in some cases, reversed. Make sure you see your grandchildren grow. Protect your vision by requesting information about diagnosing and treating AMD. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD. Or go to the website, fightblindness.org, where i found so much helpful information. Or again, call 1-800-BLINDNESS today.
18: Hi, this is Joshua P.
5: Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal. And you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: A little bit later, I noticed there's one or two questions from our audience in the question bank. We only announced this episode a couple of hours before it was due to take place. So, Chris, you want to continue?
2: I don't know. This whole thing is just downwind of the fish market to me. Uh, It's like the whole, we're in a a whole new reality here. It's like, uh, you know, we're in some other uh, alternate universe or something. All of a sudden, UFOs have become acceptable to, uh, you know, some of the most staid and respected media outlets uh, on the planet. And this doesn't happen in a vacuum, I don't know. So you know, we, our we, a very simple logical
3: process, and you know, trying to dig up conspiracy theories or convoluted. it is is not—I I don't think—beneficial.
2: Well, you know, who said anything about conspiracy theories? I, I'm just wondering how the timing could be so perfect, and then we had the X Files, uh, you know, reboot, well, reboot well, last what do you night. Mean by perfect. Well, the timing was was such that the times. We're in a position to go ahead and, and run with the story after they obviously vetted it and 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 once that domino went down, then you have all these other dom- dominoes that uh, that flop over. It just it just seems so um, amazingly well thought out. Uh, well, you know, if you could look at it from a, a-
3: it probably was, but I think you're forgetting. That at the IFOC last year, which was February, you had an announcement from DeLong that they expected within a few weeks to be making the announcement, which did not come for many, many, many months uh, later.
2: Yeah, true. From yeah, what there I was know a, a, bit is of a.
3: They had been working, it was uh, tremendously difficult to uh, get the rollout that eventually took place. Yeah, well, so things did not fall into place easily. Or
2: well, they sure made it seem like it, and, and hats off to them because uh, this is the most uh, you know positive news that the, the, at least the UFO field has had. And again, I, I echo your caution to not stovepipe this whole thing. That we are dealing with something that is is interconnected uh, not only with human consciousness and. and and, you know, some sort of time-based uh, element, but also across the paranormal uh, phenomena. Uh, you know, there's connect- connecting points all over that the average person is totally uh, oblivious to. And so it is highly, highly uh, complex and way more complex than the public thinks right now. Uh, no question in my mind. And that be, may be one of the main reasons why this subject has not been taken publicly, uh, seriously, by possibly the government and, and um, industry, academia, because it is so complex. And well, uh, One they- of the
3: things I pointed out when I, when I worked on what we called the building, I used to run around looking for this guy, Pentagon, because I always heard on the news the Pentagon says this and the Pentagon says that. The reality is the Pentagon doesn't say anything. It's a big stone building. <laughs> but it's inhabited by about thirty thousand, roughly, people who come with a wide variety of beliefs and yeah. interests, and whatnot. So you're lucky, you know, with the current administration. Who knows what policy is? I mean, you know, this is just, you know, beyond belief the kinds of things we see happening. But again, I think it's disadvantageous to look and say what does. A, the government, no, I know it's a popular uh, statement, but the government yeah. made up of many, many people with wide variety of beliefs, and I think that's a critical aspect. I do know that one of the things that happened uh, when the program got increased visibility and people were coming out and saying, you know, I want a piece of the action, and uh, uh, why are you doing that, and I'd rather have the money for my project. Uh, one of the things that uh, I used to find amusing when I did work in the Pentagon was people running around saying, I'm going to find money, like money grew on trees or in pots or something that you could then find and uh, put it out. And the issue was that you were, if you were finding money, when you were stealing it from some other already authorized program right. and transferring the funds. Yeah. Well. Um, battle for those sorts of things as I said before it's just internally extremely vicious and yeah. uh, people on the yeah. outside
2: and it's the and same I in had, academia in many ways uh,
3: to a degree but um, it, it there is not some place where there is an endless pot of uh, money that can be uh, you know accessed and delivered to you know whomever you know the great fairy uh Godfather is just not there.
2: <laughs> yeah, except except the Federal Reserve's printing uh, printing uh, operation.
3: <laughs> well,
2: we won't go there.
3: Don't print, you know. Yeah, well, these agencies do not print money. It, yeah. uh, you know, you have again. This gets back to understanding how the system works, and yeah. The allocation. Yeah, I know that the, you know, certainly slop in some areas. Misappropriation and others, but internally uh, it is watched very closely and yeah it's uh, cat and it's cat and, and
2: dogs play. too, boy. cats and dogs, yep well, you know, I've got an interesting question here, and this uh, I think has been brought up, I think uh, just peripherally in in a couple of articles and um, internet posts that I've seen, and that is. You know, this comes from Ezekiel, who's been a long-time member of uh, the Paracast forums at com, where you can ask our guests questions. And he's wondering if religious belief, especially in this case Christian belief, plays an important role in non-investigation and non-disclosure. In other words, I think what he's wondering he has, is, is there... So uh,
3: I, I got the question, and... um. The answer, does it play a role? Yes, but is it non-existent? Generally, no. I do know that there were people involved uh, that once this program again became visible internally who took the position that um, these must be related to angels or demons or something like that and so therefore you know, earthlings should not be involved. Um, when we had the, remember the remote viewing program, right, and just parallels there where we had folks that said, and this went all the way to Chief of Staff of the it's Army. It's the work
15: said, of the devil. Yeah,
3: yeah exactly. <laughs> you can do that, but we shouldn't uh, yeah. because oh, of hmm. those issues. So, again, you you got in, in the building alone, alone all the peripheral organizations, 30,000 people, and 30,000 opinions.
2: Yeah, Well, that makes sense. Uh, he, he wants to, uh, he's saying that if that's the case, if there is an element of Christian fundamentalism that may be somehow driving uh, response to the phenomenon, and, and actual impeding of, of the progress of our understanding well, of it.
18: I, I
3: got to disagree. Not Specifically, with the term driving. Uh, these things are, in my experience, all individuals and they control certain domains. Uh, right. You get to POTUS, you know, driving the, the Chinese hoax of uh, climate change and things like that. But,
16: right, uh, right.
3: You know, yeah. but, but that's a good example because you look down below and, you know, the institutions going like, yeah, no, it's real.
2: Yeah, well, well, if that if if there is if there is a role that's that's being uh, played by individuals that's um, that somehow is influential and does have some weight behind it, uh, and you know if religion is even a factor at all, his uh, Ezekiel's uh, wondering will other non-religious countries take the lead in this area? He says, as per oh, yeah. Harry Reid. and and gain a strategic advantage over us you get back
3: into the belief system of key individuals and one of the things i've talked about repeatedly is the difference between individual interest and institutional responsibility because in our case we're supposed to have separation of church and state but having said that that we do know that uh uh, certain religious influences uh, are involved in you know many decisions that uh, that are out there. Um, the idea that um, you know logic wins and that you know you can make these logical arguments just does not you know take the day. The, point is that uh, emotion trumps logic on almost every count
1: hey we got to do a break here and we'll have more to come with john b alexander and gene and chris you're in the paracast.
9: thank you for listening to gcn visit gcnlive.com today
1: you go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
4: Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, GoBerkey.com.
7: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: As we focused earlier, because so many people have been salivating over this UFO study, and the dreams and hopes of disclosure and repeating every year it's going to happen now or it's going to happen then and all that. What can we do really to move research forward?
3: You got any simple questions?
1: <laughs> well, that can be subdivided in 2,000 different questions. But really, it seems as if it just, just goes on and on without change.
3: One of the issues that I have brought up repeatedly, and it's a, probably a good segue from the religious issue, sure. because we are talking fundamental belief systems. From a government perspective, you do not expect the government to do research into areas that support your belief system. For instance, don't know of any studies in uh, you know, near-death or post-mortem communication or a host of other issues. A little bit in uh, healing, unless you call it spiritual healing, and then it belongs outside. So these areas that are out there says you really need to go to independent agencies, things that are not part of the government. One of my issues has been, if you look at how money is spent, look at the uh, well, the Large Hadron Collider is an example. I think we've spent about $17 billion on that already, looking for the God particle. Uh, and that's based on a model of the universe that's purely materialistic and of very interest to a very, very small subset of people. And yet, if I take, again, the studies uh, I wrote to this in uh, Reality Denied, I have a whole section on being dead, literally, and near-death experiences that... That ought to be of interest to 100% of the population. And yet, since everybody's going to uh, have a chance to encounter a transition at least once, the point is that we spend almost nothing and can't convince very few people. You get individual donors who fund minor studies. But that ought to be, you know, a front-burner item, and yet it isn't.
1: Hmm. After all this time... Do you think that the major publicity this episode has received in the New York Times and other publications, is that going to cause ongoing interest, or is this something that after the human interest stories, it's going to fade out in a few months and that's going to be it for now?
3: It's a blip. The problems that are facing the country and the world today are absolutely massive, now, the problem here is that you have a small group of people, i.e. the UFO community, whatever that is, or maybe we say communities because they are split and uh, you know, cannibalistic. But, you know, it's really very, very small. The general population has, you know, sort of a generic interest in the topic, but it's not a burning issue for them. So unless something is done or some major breakthrough occurs, I think from a news perspective, it'll be, uh, yeah, a few stories on that. But uh, this has always been the status quo. This really hasn't changed in uh, at least half a century.
1: It is. You get this flurry of interest, a new sighting, and then everybody's talking about it. It's always going to be focused on spaceships, nothing else. And then... It just fades away, supplanted obviously by the ongoing things that are happening right now. In addition to record colds back east, storms, crisis overseas with North Korea, the political machinations in Washington. It's hard to think there's anything else going on.
3: Well, this gets to you know the issues. Some folks that we know or come up with the notion that ET is here walking among us and my point there is if that is true, and a significant percentage of the population actually believes that, uh, not for our benefit. and they're certainly not helping with the issues that uh, you just described. Uh, I haven't seen the lessening of wars or uh, you know complex issues, uh, disease problems, uh, you know climate change, you know, pick your macro issues, if anything, they seem to be exacerbated. So uh, E.T. didn't bring any uh, great uh, benevolent answers to us. I mean, having said that, I should throw out, and you know, that I've talked about the cases like Chris Bledsoe where interactions have occurred and you have things like spontaneous healing obviously has advantages for certain individuals.
1: This, of course, is the biggest issue here. You have all these people who are running around claiming to have been contacted somehow by Space Brothers or they're channeling or something like that. We get letters all the time from people like that offering to be on the show, and they claim to have all these insights. And then I ask them, well, what have they done? What has E.T. done for us lately? How many people... Right. How many people die yesterday of opioid addiction? What what has E.T. done about that? How many people die in the Middle East for one crisis or another? What about car crashes? What about shootings? You know, when's it going to happen? When's E.T. going to land and get things together? On the other hand, what's your perception of experiencers such as people who claim to be abducted by UFOs?
3: Well... My position has been pretty clear, and that is that there are reports of contact between humans and sentient non-humans throughout the entirety of human history. It appears basically in every culture everywhere around the world. Oh, by the way, they happen to drop in on little silver ships is kind of a fairly new wrinkle to that. But the reality of some sort of interaction is, I think, very significant, highly probable. We're back to, again, my view, the, the fundamental difference in belief systems. And in the West, it tends to be materialistic, as opposed to the folks that I've interacted with all over the world who take a spirit world. And I think I've mentioned before, dealing with shamans. That you have shamans who move seamlessly between the spirit world and consensus reality, or what we call the real world. Whereas, you know, in the West, if you even believe in the spirit world, it is something that is separate and distinct from uh, the quote real world. I'm not sure there's, there's a difference. I happen to ha- have have had experiences that certainly talks to a the the high probability of reality that the spirit world or or world or worlds and that they interact with consensus reality as we know it
1: now when you talk of consensus reality is that like a collective unconscious
3: no it's like the collective conscious i mean reach out and you know, you're talking on some kind of microphone now, that's a, that's real, you can reach out and touch it and feel it and whatnot. The spirit world is uh, certainly sometimes interacts with that. You get into issues such as supports or things of, of that nature you have uh, or spiritual healing, uh, other kinds of interactions, information that's uh, provided. Um, I think those are all in, indicative. Um, a, few, a couple of months ago, when Reality Denied first came out, I mentioned a thing. I had an incident happen here that I documented basically as best I could on Facebook, of all things, but uh, I had an envelope that had critical information in it that I absolutely needed. Tore my office totally apart, looking for it. Couldn't find it. Even asked my wife if she had taken the envelope. Oh, it was not it.
1: Let's break here and get the answer. What happened to that envelope? With Gene, John, and Chris, you're in The (laughs) Paracast.
0: That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S
21: dot com. It's been said.
20: Call for Closure Protection Services now at 800 667 9035. 800 667 9035. That's 800 667 9035.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: So what happened to the envelope, John Alexander?
3: What happened is I came in, sat down at the desk uh, the next morning, and the envelope was sitting between me and the computer at arm's length in, you know, on top of all of the things that I had moved to find it the day before. Actually, I actually photographed that and um, you know, put it up immediately. First thing was contact my wife and said, did you move the envelope? And, Absolutely not. So it 100% was not there the night before and absolutely was there in the morning, and she and I were the only ones in the, uh, in the house in the intervening period.
1: So it just happened to turn up.
3: Yeah. The point is extensive searching had failed to find it the day before, and yet when it turns up, it wasn't like you had to turn over something. It was lying in plain view within arm's reach uh, without any extended effort. And 100% was not there the day before.
1: I've seen that happen once or twice and didn't think about it till you mentioned it. Where it's an obvious place that there's no way on earth you would not have seen it. No way. I had right. this with a pair of reading glasses a few weeks ago where it just disappeared. And I looked all around my little office area and I couldn't find it. Fortunately, I had a spare. But, you know, you and I, we get a little older. We have to have the reading glasses. So I looked around, and one day I'm staring at this inkjet printer, all-in-one printer, that I have in the corner of the room. And right in front of it, right there, are the reading glasses. And I stare at that place all the time, because as I speak to you on the microphone, the printer is right ahead of me. I have no idea how it turned up. I asked my wife, did you find this? No, I didn't. And there's nobody here. And the dog didn't find it and put it up there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, you could say that's an argument for why people have been believing in elves and fairies and, and little tricksters that go about our everyday lives and trick us uh, in, in very mundane uh, fashion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of David Politi's books, The Missing 411, where people have been, you know, searched for by by dozens of search and rescue personnel for days, and then all of a sudden one day there they are, right where people have crisscrossed the area, you know, dozens of times. All of a sudden, there's uh, there's the missing person.
3: There is fire in the sky. Okay. The Trappist yeah. Walton case.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good, good example. Well, some people would say uh, not so good, but um, I particularly, I think Travis uh, had a real experience. Not sure what it was. I'm not even sure he's sure what it was, but uh, but I think that that uh, goes to John's point earlier that, um, you know, we're dealing with something that appears to be stovepiped and appears to be um, each each of these areas of, of phenomenal events appear to be standalone but uh there is there's i mean in my mind there's got to be some sort of connecting mechanism or element that uh connects many of these uh, apparently divergent uh phenomena it connects them together and you know what my my question would be is is what's the point what do we get what lesson are we being taught
3: uh well, now that is the question. But um, one of the things I wrote to in both uh, UFOs, most conspiracies, realities, and the uh, reality denied is something we call precognitive sentient phenomena. And this came about because of my observations at Skinwalker Ranch. And we had, if you look at the events that happened, there just absolutely beyond belief. And you try to instrument. This is where it gets terribly frustrating. Trying to analyze uh, some of the data, uh, had the ranch instrumented, cameras looking twenty four seven, you know, time lapse photography, all kinds of things, and an event would happen. So you say, ah, let me try to study that. You set up to do that, and something else would happen. And it was like when I say precognitive, that that there was a. It's a trickster-like phenomena, but it knows how the researchers are going to respond before the observation is even presented to them. And then as you try to understand that, it morphs into something else. Ah, You like that? Try this. And you see something totally different. And the point is, whatever it was, it was totally in control. We were not. And I think that's true kind of across the board.
2: Yeah, I, and I agree. And I, I, I think it, it just, to me, it's a tantalizing hint that we're dealing with something that has some sort of time manipulation capability. This all seems to be uh, somehow explained by being able to, you know, the the, the whole precognitive aspect of it uh, smacks of some sort of time manipulation.
3: If time exists.
2: Well, it does exist uh, as a construct, and in, in getting back to your idea of a consensual reality, we all agree that it exists, so to a certain degree it does. We're recording a two-hour show here, uh, three-hour show, but two hours <laughs> of talking. So, when
3: you start dealing with extra-dimensional realities, one of the things that comes back is that time as we know it does not exist. It's just a convenience for measuring the transity of events as they occur in what we call consensus reality.
2: Right. Well, when you get into the whole dimensional thing, people on the the forums are going to, there's several individuals that that scratch their heads and and try to figure out what what we mean by that when we say, well, you know, we're obviously dealing with something from another dimension, you know. It's hard for people to understand, I think, a dimensional aspect to Many of these things that we're all so fascinated by. How would you it's describe? Uh,
3: We'd have figured it out already. Huh? You,
2: you would think, but how would you describe the ability to, you know, how is it possible? What, what is the actual physical process, uh, do you think? Or if you had to venture a guess, it well, would allow some sort of dimensional.
3: You just modify as saying, what are the physical aspects? Because obviously some of this is non physical.
2: Good point. It's almost like we're dealing with, uh, you know, like cloud technology uh, on some exalted level. The cloud has always been something that's fascinated me and, and scared me, too, because I, you know, I hate to think that, there, you know, all my data is up there just floating around somewhere for whoever has the uh, <laughs> access codes. It's almost like we're dealing with a cloud.
3: That the, uh, was that also called the Akashic
22: Record?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, definitely it's. That's, um, that's been one uh, term that's been used. I remember it uh, especially from the 60s and 70s. The Jane Roberts books and, uh, and the uh, Doris Lessing, I think, uh, Lesson. I think she wrote uh, some very interesting books with that whole concept of oversouls and undersouls and that sort of thing.
3: Ken Carr came along.
2: Yeah, Ekinkar. Yeah. Yeah. Ekinkar supposedly was uh, cool. gathering in some, uh, you know, isolated underground cavern that uh, could only be, I, I think, accessed through the astral. And, and they were having meetings there and, and group uh, meditations here. We're going to have some other meditations
1: and then get back for two more segments with John Alexander and Gene. And Chris, you're in the
2: Paracast. <laughs>
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
8: This is Dan Pillott Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
7: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNtelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week,
23: So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like.
19: Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future. And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: So Chris, continue, please. Eckenkar whatever happened to them, John?
3: I'm not sure. I haven't followed. It just popped into mind as we were discussing it. Yeah,
2: no, that was one of those weird groups that you never really knew exactly what they were about or what what was going on with them, and then they kind of just faded away. Remember, I got that well, book.
3: Old New Age kind of came, and many aspects faded away. And these things are recurrent, though. I mean, it's sort no. of sick. As to when they
2: come into vogue and out. Mm. Well, anytime you you get you get kind of lonesome for the new age, just come visit me in Sedona. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get more than your fair dose <laughs> of the new age here. Uh, I had to move because of it, uh, pretty much. I can only take so much of that whole vibe before I start to develop itches in places that I can't find where to scratch. Oh,
3: has 89A been fixed
2: yet? Yes. Yes, it's all done. they uh they've expanded uh, the road uh, between the top of the canyon, Oak Creek Canyon, and Flagstaff because of all the people getting killed from hitting elk. And uh, they've widened that whole eight-mile stretch and uh, and painted... <laughs> The sides of the the road, uh, and they cut back all the trees and then painted it a light color so you can see the, uh, the elk when they get within 20 feet of the road, 30 feet of the road. So it's all done, finally. And uh, the whole route coming in from 179, from Highway 17, rather, has been done for a number of years. But it's all done, but it hasn't helped at all. We still have terrible traffic here. It's just unbelievable for a small little place, you know. So, Gene, uh, take it away. I mean, what I'm taking.
1: uh, I'm taking things, and I have no idea where to put them. But (laughs) I hope I will. I think when we talk about all this, trying to get a realistic picture of all sorts of weird phenomena going on, every time I focus on UFOs, it seems like they're all living in this tiny bubble, this tiny ET bubble. Yeah. And nothing seems to get in. And when you get stories like this. With the Pentagon study and everything, and the work that Bigelow supposedly did, all you see is no greater focus because he believes UFOs or aliens. He said so pretty much on the 60 Minutes show when he was on there. So you've got one eccentric billionaire who believes in this stuff, and we follow what he does, unfortunately. But the other thing that was interesting to me, which has, I guess, been confirmed by some of the articles I read, is that when MUFON had its controversial encounter with Bigelow to fund some UFO research, that was apparently government money.
2: Well, we don't know that for sure, but the timing is... I have is, uh... never heard that. Well, the timing is is, is pretty spot on, John of the, the project and, um, and Bigelow's uh, involvement with uh, with MUFON.
1: Uh, I think that's what James Carrion feels. He was the executive director or international director yeah. of MUFON at the time.
3: It uh, was outside of that loop, to the best of my knowledge, that is not accurate. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's not like he would need uh, to dip into I, that. I have
3: right? no special knowledge of that. I want to yeah. say, but I've talked to others, uh, and um, you know, who were intimately involved, and there were, from their perspective, other other administrative uh, issues, and not so much on, is um, uh I've never heard inference of uh, that that was government money. Man, we were in the noise level compared to what uh, Bigelow had been supporting anyway. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been that much for him to, to to float that that amount of cash if you look at how much money he spent over a twelve thirteen year period up in Utah. Uh, I mean, he was sending his jet up there uh, to respond in the same, you know, within hours of events going on there. Um, well, that's we expensive.
3: Well, up there a good bit of the time.
2: Well, we yeah, well, in addition to all that.
3: Working there, but, I mean, our own folks were, you know, and I was one of those, on site periodically.
2: Right. Well, what were your, uh, did you have any events up there that you personally experienced that, uh, that no. you'd like to talk about? I know you did, but uh, are there any that you'd uh, like no, to discuss?
3: I, I actually didn't. I was the uh, first one to spend the night, actually the day he actually bought the ranch. Uh, I stayed up there alone on the top of uh, the mesa. Uh, and other than a lot of mosquitoes, I um, <laughs> you know, was the most... Uh, uh, <laughs> Exciting thing that happened
2: to me. Uh, so no large wolves, no uh, you know oh. cattle mutilators, no uh, portals oh. opening up in front of the ranch house. And
3: However, 40- one of the things I might, because I've been asked about this, um, my experience has been that strange things happen around me as opposed to to me. Uh, and, again, throughout Reality Denied, where I mean, that's what the whole book is about, is, you know, subtitles, first-hand experiences with things that can't happen.
2: But, but did.
3: <laughs> and the uh, things that happened, again, all over the world, and some of the military stuff we did happened, rather than to me, uh, around me. and uh, I can't really explain that, but I've heard... You know,
2: similar talks from other people. Yeah. No. So, nothing, no, no, uh, no, you know, sitting out in a lawn chair as bait. <laughs> I think uh, George Knapp mentioned that particular incident where he felt like he was being kind of floated out there as some bait or something. And he, he still to this day is not sure how he felt about that. <laughs>
3: Uh, you no, know, no. I mean the the biggest event. Well, I said I've seen UFOs twice. One was um, up at a, a ranch in uh, the state of Washington, and uh, the other was the one with uh, Chris Bledsoe. And well, that's one where, as you know, we. We were describing the event, sitting there together, and he suddenly says, I think they're here, and well, behold, within a few seconds, the thing popped into view. Uh, some say that was in, done for my benefit to uh, see it, but, uh
2: you know. and It sounds like one of those cases where they're monitoring individuals and... Uh kind of doing a tricksterish little routine to...
3: Yeah, now the incidents with Chris, you know, continue to this day. Uh, I've had emails from him recently. He continues to take uh, continuously pictures of orbs, uh, some of them in the visual spectrum, others show up once, uh, you know, you have it, uh, you know, Developed or uh, in, in look at it from a digital perspective, right? But um, yeah, no, the,
2: well, Speaking of orbs, what was the Orb Project? On
3: on.
2: Sorry, you recall, you recall hearing anything about the Orb Project?
3: Not specifically. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I'm not
2: familiar. Yeah, there was something that um, the Bigelow had some study. I think some of his security guys. Uh, at least I know of um, at least one security guard who was given instructions to constantly be taking pictures um, and be extra vigilant when you know one shot would have no orbs in them and the next shot would be filled Is with this them. Was
3: at the ranch or at yes, the at the ranch
2: fish. security personnel at the ranch. And um, one of these security guards did mention something about the orb project, um, and I I'd, I'd never really heard any other. Uh, references to that. No,
1: I
3: have not heard of it in that perspective,
2: no. 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 You're going to
1: have more, one more segment with Colonel John B. Alexander and Chris O'Brien and Gene Steinberg. We're talking a little bit now about orbs. All right. You're in. The Paracast.
9: listening to GCN, visit GCNlive.com today.
1: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer?
16: If you talk talking,
15: they will hear you
4: Why are we getting killed
11: like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why
6: they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. Hear
12: you. Yeah. You can do it if you try
6: have you checked your ecs lately we have we are new pharma scientists who specialize in human functions controlled by the endocannabinoid system or ecs let me simplify your ecs is involved in physiological processes like appetite pain sensation mood memory and immune systems New Pharma's patent-pending science is the big difference in our natural solutions formulated for your well-being. For example, our foundation product provides targeted nutrition to support a healthy endocannabinoid system, which is directly responsible for managing and controlling inflammation. This product contains turmeric, which is known as one of the best anti-inflammatories on the planet. Our allergies product contains sage, which is a very effective decongestant. See all of our amazing capsules, essential oils, and ECS herbal tea at g-n-u-p-h-a-r-m-a.com. New Pharma, your path to wellness
4: begins here.
8: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So Chris is being possessed by an orb, is that it? I just thought orbs were just blemishes from the lens or flashes.
2: Particulate matter close to the camera. When
3: you're seeing them, and that's why I say the ones in the visual spectrum, I think, are important, uh, as opposed to just things that show up when you're viewing the film. I had some that were taken, uh, this was in the latter category, but uh, Chris was out, we were up on Mount Charleston, about the 9,000 foot level, and I had, uh, was taking a series of pictures, and... Some of them are perfectly clear, and others there's stuff floating out there. You know, where did that come from? The change was from, you know, just a few seconds between uh, uh, taking the photos.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've had that happen too. Um, I think a, a lot of it, though, is out of focus particulate matter close to the camera being illuminated by the flash. But But I've also seen. Orbs with the naked eye and taking pictures of them. And I've seen squirrely little worms that uh, of light that are toiling around in the air um, and photograph them. So there are real orbs and then there are artifact, digital artifact oh, orbs.
3: There's no doubt that if you use a flash and there's dust in the air, uh, you know, that you can get anomalous lum- um, illumination there. So mm-hmm. But uh, again, there's there's others that uh, pretty much defy description.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it does it does tend to be a precursor to uh, the potential of of other things happening. Um, Just like in the San Luis Valley, we had what appear to be like giant bottle rockets that fizzle out. They're not meteors. Um, They've been reported leaving behind smoke trails. I've seen one underneath a, a completely uniform overcast sky actually arching over trees uh, about 1,000 feet below me. So they are some sort of localized phenomenal manifestation. But they tend to happen, and then we get a wave of you know several days or even weeks of uh, UFO activity, other anomalous-type activity. And then there'll be another spate of these cheap fireworks, as I call them, and the wave will be over. It's almost like they announced the, a wave coming in and they announced the end of the wave um, is the only real pattern that I could discern. And it was a, a fairly distinct pattern. Um, and, and I think orbs may potentially have that. We may be able to use them as a way to uh, alert ourselves that maybe other things are going on. This is just my intuition about it, but, but that's, that's my, um, kind of my, my hit on it.
3: Well, uh, there's an interesting case that's very well known. Uh, But there's other aspects to it. Uh, I'm sure you know Dr. Lynn Katai and the famous Phoenix Light. But, you know, she has taken photos from her house, which is a little bit above the uh, Phoenix Basin there. Sure enough, has seen things down below uh, across the area that uh, show up on the film.
2: Yep. Yeah, we haven't had Lynn on the show in a while. Well,
1: you know, it's interesting. I think I interviewed her once for after the Powercast, very briefly, maybe thirty, forty minutes, and then it goes back to the earliest days of this show.
2: So, uh, so John, what what is on your radar? What are you now involved with? Do you have any projects uh, that you're working on? Anything? You taking a break? How's the book doing? It, it seems to be doing very well on at Amazon. Um, it's up there in one of the uh, better sellers and the several categories that it's listed in. What, what's on your radar?
3: Uh, you probably checked it, and I haven't, so I'm not quite sure where that... Uh,
2: you're at about 40,000, which is really good. If you're in five figures, you're doing well.
3: The article, uh, I'm doing another one in kind of a straight world and looking at the uh, coincidence between uh, football, climate change, uh, gun control, and Tobacco. <laughs> and what the what I think the common factor is there?
2: Oh, I can't wait to to Doesn't see that.
3: Here, <laughs> the common factor is willful ignorance—the ability to ignore data.
16: Right, and, right. Uh,
3: that certainly applies in the uh, UFO and other phenomena uh, region. Is that people yeah. just choose to ignore the obvious?
2: Yeah, on both sides of the uh, the belief system.
3: <laughs> yep.
2: So um, any trips planned? Are you uh, going to be heading overseas anytime soon? or?
3: Not sure. We're looking at going to Sri Lanka, and uh, I want to go out and dive with uh, whale sharks. So I haven't done that one yet, so wow, I plan to do that shortly.
2: Wow, that would be fun. Well, where do you do that, up in cold water, or is that warm water?
3: No, no, that's uh, down, uh, you can do it off Belize, uh, Mexico, or uh, in the Gulf. You also get them on the Pacific side. Or, they also show up in the Red Sea, but I think I'll use one of the ones that's closer.
2: Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to be heading over in that part of the world for any reason right now myself. I'm just allergic to uh, the War of the Gourd of Ashes, as the Hopi calls it. Well, it's uh, been great having you uh, back on the show. We really appreciate you doing a quick turnaround. I know we just had you on a month ago, but this this whole story um, I think is important, and, and you are the perfect person in our minds to uh, comment on it. From a uh, you know a place of authority and and incogence. So, I mean, it's always great having you on the show. Where do you think all this is going to go? I mean, do you think that Tom DeLonge's uh, group and in, in the uh, the August team that he has assembled is going to be able to make any headway? Let's say they do get some funding, are we going to be know, seeing something good coming out
3: of it? Somebody's going to have to step up with serious funding. Um, other than that, this is going to be. Another incident that will, in five years, you'll talk about and say, "Remember the time when?"
1: Oh, like a footnote, huh? I don't think it's going to last five years, John. I think no, I the bet, way with the I fl- bet
3: When you look back from the five-year perspective,
1: yeah, I think we'll look back from a one-year perspective and see. Oh yeah, that was a flash in the pan. Mm, mm. I don't
2: know about that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far uh, or sell it that short. I think there is a little bit of sticking power. You've uh, you, this has been a bit of a paradigm shift, um, you know. Reluctantly, I think some people will agree to that, and I think I think it's going to have a little bit more staying power than your than well, uh, from a five year perspective, maybe not. But from a one or two year perspective, I think it's it's still uh, sensational enough for people to to you know hold on to it as the the next great hope uh, for. For disclosure and for you know uh, the benevolent space brothers to finally come and solve all our problems for us, you know, uh, people are going to be holding on to that.
1: Actually, I think we shouldn't call them benevolent space brothers. They have to be real Cretans to watch all the suffering and do nothing about it.
3: Yeah, e- ET did not answer the phone.
1: <laughs> <Right>. Absolutely, <laughs> John Alexander. Please tell our listeners where they can find more of the things you do.
3: Well, the easiest on uh, my website and the easiest thing to do there is just Google my name uh, John B. Alexander B. is the middle initial uh, and uh, I'll pop up uh, pretty early if you put in UFO or anything like that it'll pop up and that's uh, the best way. I'm also on Facebook and I've decided that uh, the universe has gone to die at least intellectually.
2: (laughs) Oh, I think you're being optimistic. Uh, I think it's already dead.
1: (laughs) You can find us on Facebook. We have two official Paracast fan clubs. We are on Twitter. And now that you have, what, 288 characters instead of 144, we hope all those characters will show up and send us a message. Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com. We invite you to check it out, OurStrangePlanet.com. Dot com. We also invite you to check out our other radio show. It's called After the Powercast. It's unpredictable. We never know from week to week what we'll do. In fact, we may even have stuff that we forgot we did, like having Dr. Lynn Kitai come on there and talk about the Phoenix Lights one week. Another week, Nick Pope, the fellow who was at the Ministry of Defense in the UK, got a hold of UFO Matters, and it turns out he is a fan of conspiracy theories. It's after the Paracast, part of the Paracast Plus package, which includes a version of this show with better quality audio, free of the network ads, available for a low subscription rate. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. Prices start at just $1.49 a week. Our price is Sheep. Colonel Alexander, thanks for joining us on the Powercast. Been fun.
0: The Powercast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in. The Paracast.